Welcome to the Be Ruthless Show, where we have the conversations that other people don't, the conversations that other people won't. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and I'm ready to make a lot of noise and disrupt things ruthlessly. Thanks for being here today. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Be Ruthless Show. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and joining me today is special guest, Laura Jeminder, who is an award-winning entrepreneur, international coach, federation, certified business, and life coach and national speaker. Her story? She survived a quarter-life crisis, made friends with her fear, set a few goals to help her leave her corporate HR job after 14 years, and set out to make an impact in the world. Her entrepreneurial spirit has led her to start several businesses, including Laura Jeminder Coaching and Consulting. She's been recognized as an in-business magazine 40 under 40, honored for her business savvy and civic contributions, and a Bravo magazine woman to watch, a nod to her 20 years of women's leadership and empowerment work. Laura strives to live an interesting life. The above was accomplished in the spirit of do one thing every day that scares you. I love that. (laughs) Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Sam. I'm excited. What introduce yourself and let people know who you are in your own words. Yeah, so I am Laura Jeminder. I am a certified business and life coach, and I really uh, am passionate about helping women to feel more empowered to create success on their terms and create clarity and confidence, what that looks like in their professional life, whether they're starting or growing a business or looking to take that next step in the corporate world. Love that. Love empowering women, and you've overcome a lot. So, talk about that. That's where that's where my audience lies. <laughs> oh, big sigh, right? Take that in. Yes, and I have overcome a lot. Um, you know, with with you reading my bio, I have that piece in there about really harnessing my fear to make a really big leap of faith. And so that's something that really touches my heart because for so long, I was really very scared of the world, like jokingly say, like scared of my own shadow. And that had been because when I was a child, um, we had, you know, kind of like probably a lot of the neighborhoods that you, uh, your, your listeners here have experienced, but we played with the neighborhood kids and we helped the older neighborhood residents mow their lawn or we climbed their trees. And um, it was my parents' dream house. We had this beautiful house and we'd been in the same neighborhood for probably at least like 10 years. And I gotten to know the elderly couple next door very well to the point that they were like grandparents to me. Um, they had some grandchildren. One in particular was a girl that was a year older than me and she was so cool. And I really idolized her um, and just, you know, had would spend like a ton of time with them. And one day I remember having to run over there. It was right before my birthday, probably, I think I was like 12, like seventh grade, maybe. No, eighth grade. It was eighth grade. And um, so one day my mom had me like run something over there and didn't think anything of it. And it just happened to be that um, the, the wife was out running errands. And so I come in to drop off whatever my mom had asked me to bring over And the neighbor had backed me into a corner, started kissing me and touching my breasts. And I can't even tell you how much shock I was in. Like I said, like we had known these people for like 10 years. And just in that moment, 
like my trust in the world was broken. Um, I, you know, pushed him off me, ran home. Um, and it was a secret I kept for a very long time. It, it happened in October and I didn't tell anyone um, until probably May of that next year when I was graduating from eighth grade and we were going to have a celebration, friends and close family, and they were on the invite list. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want them to come. And my parents were like, you know, here's what, here's what, you know, politeness means and <laughs> taught, taught me, you know, um, these basically they said, you know, these are the neighbors, we're inviting the neighbors on the other side, unless you would have a good reason, that's not really good manners. And so they, they forced me in some ways to say, cause I was like, there's no way these people are coming to my party. <laughs> Thank goodness they forced you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because honestly, that approximate six months of my life was so hard because I have two younger sisters. So every day I was doing everything I could to make sure that nothing like that happened to my little sisters. And that's what this show is. This is the conversations that people don't have. You did nothing wrong, but you felt like you had to keep it private and anybody struggling, anybody in any situation that makes you uncomfortable, you yeah. are not at fault and letting somebody in is such a huge first step. Yeah. Absolutely. How there's also the fear of how if I tell someone, mm -hmm. how will people react? I don't want to go to the police. They're gonna make me. Yeah. yeah. How, how did? Um. Yeah, I wasn't sure, and and honestly, I was so emotionally conflicted too because these are people I cared so much about, right? It wasn't just about this creepy old guy next to me. It was also the fact that like, I had a great relationship with his wife. I adored his granddaughter. You know, I knew some of his other grandchildren, some of their parents. I mean, I knew the extended family and, and it just was one of those things where, you know, my parents were very surprised. I mean, they knew it was something significant that I didn't didn't want them there. Um, you know, they were surprised. They were supportive. Um, they did end up going over and they reached out. There was a local nonprofit that helped with some of this, you know, to get some guidance. They talked to, we're very, um, you know, Catholic family. They talked to the priest, like they got some different, you know, feedback and ideas. They did end up having a conversation with uh, the neighbor couple and their adult children, uh, who were the parents of some of the kids I was friends with, because, you know, like just how bad was the scope of this and wanting to make sure everyone was being protected and it was very clear what had happened. Um, and so that conversation ended up going pretty well. The only thing that came out of it that was really hard, it's kind of, you know, they say adding insult to injury. Um, and my heart still breaks to say this, but the wife had been a victim. She had been molested as a child too. And so her thing was like, oh, I had it happen to me. It's not a big deal, who cares? So it was just kind of that extra, you know, to be victimized by both of them then. But you knew inside something like you knew they were wrong, even though yeah. they yeah. weren't accepting responsibility or apologizing, Yeah, you knew she was, and that's, what happens, people don't want to see the truth in the, in who they love. Yeah. Right? If she had, she acknowledged it, then she would have to acknowledge that's my husband. Absolutely. Did to you what somebody did to me. Yeah. And she probably hadn't worked through that of her own trauma. Because we can't talk about it. And I mean, yeah. think 
for your sisters, for every other little girl in the neighborhood, had that secret stayed with you? Your parents yeah. did such a great job, but not everybody yeah. knows what to do or how. So what would you say to people in this situation right now? I would say, you know, that like you said earlier, like this is not your fault. And like, I remember feeling like so much embarrassment and shame, especially as like a preteen where you're just starting to kind of, you know, like boys and kind of like, you know, go through puberty and like all that stuff. Like I was so embarrassed to talk like anything that was even remotely close to like sex stuff with my parents. Um, you know, so that there was a piece of that too, right? So like anyone that has gone through this, like find someone that you trust. And thank God I had a, I have had a really great relationship with my parents so that I had this idea. If I did tell them, I knew they would believe me, but some people are out there not sure. Right. So then maybe find a favorite aunt, or maybe you have a teacher that's really made a difference in your life or a best friend, right? Like try, you know, try to talk to people about it as much as like you can to get the support that you need going through a hard time. I always say silence is the enemy and having to keep that secret and deal with it by yourself. You're denying yourself feedback from people who can tell you this was not your fault. You yeah. are amazing. You know, so yeah. you're, you're making it worse. So I love that a best friend, an aunt, anyone, and to people who might be on the receiving end of that conversation. One thing I do with my clients is sometimes I'll say, do you want to sit back to back? Is there anything that's that might be easier to talk about if you're not looking right at me. And some yeah. people can write it and then hand me a letter. So you totally. do not have to jump completely out of your comfort zone and do it in a way that doesn't feel good. You can, you can find a way that you feel, you have to feel safe. Yeah. And if someone doesn't believe you, keep telling people till someone believes you and gives you the support that you need. I love that. How long do you think you struggled with trust after this? <laughs> oh, years, years. I had no idea how much of an impact it had. Um, I was, yeah, it was, it was really very hard. I do feel grateful that, I mean, like I've had a great relationship with my dad. I had several male friends. I've had um, one of my best friends since kindergarten. So I had a very close group of males in my life that I was able to have great relationships with, but there was also a time. And so I actually put myself in therapy um, when I was in college, because I was realizing that how I was dating and the emotions that were coming up was not normal, not normal at all. And so I even got like kind of a belief in my head that would circulate that like, I just suck at dating. It's like, no, <laughs> you don't suck at dating because I'd barely done any at that point. It's like you have such low trust, which is normal going through something like this, right? Because it's basically because he was like a grandfather to me. It was basically going through an, an incest situation. And you do what we all do. You blame yourself. You look internally. I must suck at dating. Yeah, not, right. <laughs> right. And and we all do that. We we assume yeah. we're the problem when you were struggling. People yeah. who haven't had this experience don't deal, don't trust well. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And that's just how our minds are, right? Our minds are wired for negativity, which keeps us safe, right? So there's already that piece of it. If you've gone through something like this, you're just you're you're 
radar detector on what's safe and what's not is skewed to keep you safe. Right. And while I have been on the receiving end of, will you keep this secret? And it's something that parents and adults need to know. There are still ways to go about it that don't break your trust. Mm-hmm. So letting an adult in that goes at your pace, that yeah. listens, that just really, really makes you feel heard mm-hmm. is important because there yeah. are people who will say, we're going right to your mom right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How does this fuel you now? Like now you have no fear. Uh, well, I always say I do still have fear. I'm just better equipped to handle that. So instead of fearless one word, I'm fearless two words. I have less fear than I used to. But honestly, you know, just like everything has a silver lining, I really felt like this cultivated a high level of resilience in me. And so there was a very long time I didn't know myself. Uh, you know, I wasn't in the right career path. But once I set out to say like, okay, I got to figure this out. No, no prince is coming riding in on his horse to save me. Um, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trusting the process. You know, I'm praying a lot. Things are going to happen. And, (laughs) you know, a lot of building your confidence, a lot of um, minimizing the fear is to take action. So the day I decided that the life I was leading wasn't suited for me anymore and started taking action, everything changed. You said two things. You at one point said uh, you knew something was wrong and you weren't dating well. And now you just said you were on the wrong career path. How did you know? So everybody, there are so many listening that are in that place. Yeah. And they, this is, this is what I didn't learn until too late in life. They ignore themselves and their own intuition and they listen to all of the outside noise. So how, what clue did you have that made you say something? Well, with dating, I was just very uncomfortable. Um, I was secretly relieved when even guys that I liked would um, not want to continue dating. There was always this like sigh of relief. I was picking guys who felt safe versus ones I maybe had like a lot of sexual chemistry with and connection. Um, So it just, it was kind of one of those things where, and just even at parties, right? Like you're in college. Uh, my mind was one that always makes the list for the party school, but there was even that piece of it where it was like, I only felt safe going to parties if I was in like a group of friends. And so it just, it, it just seemed like as I started kind of thinking about and seeing my other friends, their lives and what some of their fears and concerns were that mine was just very different than that. Um, and then as far as the work piece, one of the tip-offs for me was like, I just kept feeling like I was in the wrong spot. Like I kind of joked that I had a quarter life crisis, but it was like everything about, and I think, I think work is the easy thing to say. This doesn't seem like this is a good fit for me, but really at that point, everything in my life was off kilter. Like I felt like how is this my life? Like nothing about this feels like good or natural or is like energizing. And so the tip off for me was I gotten very involved in a women's leadership group and it lit me up. I was so excited to do it. And I was like, 
why can I have this experience when I'm volunteering and working in the community and sitting on this committee or this board? Um, and that's so energizing. Am I using my skill sets and strengths at like such a high level compared to work? Right. And so that was kind of a tip off too. That was like, I, you know, why can't I find work I love? I love that you, you put it in an energy sense, because if something is draining and constantly exhausting us, and we don't have that feeling that you got when you went to the leadership group, that's a clue. And we're not taught that. No, we're not taught that if it doesn't feel good, you just don't have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, like I, I have to say this, so it's a matter of public record, but my college internship turned into a job and I was there 14 years and every day I'm so grateful for that opportunity. It wasn't the right opportunity for me for the long term, but I had two amazing bosses. I had awesome coworkers. I had really a safe place to, to figure all this stuff out as, as a young woman in the world of work. And I, I'm so very grateful that I did have that because I know a lot of people don't, and it makes it that much harder when you don't have a safe space and, and time and energy. And I, you know, had the resources to figure some of these things out. That yes, many people don't. There's people overworked, underpaid, unappreciated. Absolutely. And if you don't know where to turn, I would say anyone, you know, just mm-hmm. when, we're, when we keep it all to ourselves, we only have our own feedback and we're not seeing the Absolutely. whole thing. Absolutely. So was it one quick shift into your now business or were there pit stops along the way? Yeah, there were pit stops along the way. I would say once I started taking action, it built up the momentum. Um, So my first was I had gone to a career change workshop because I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And the only thing I did know was that having that feeling, nothing was materializing after several years of kind of like, you know, the wait and see method. (laughs) So I went to a career change workshop and it was really interesting because at the breaks, Uh, everyone kept coming up to me because I had a background in HR. And so they were like asking me questions. And it was like this little light bulb moment, like, wow, with my degree in adult education and my experience in HR, like I could maybe be like a career coach. And then I had mentioned that to one of the women I was in the volunteer group with. And she was like, actually, I've been working with a life coach. Have you ever heard of that? And I was like, no, tell me more. (laughs) And so I got ended up working with a life coach and then it was kind of things from there. So I want to point that's huge. And thank you for sharing that. Taking action can be a really scary phrase to people. They might think, Oh my God, they're telling me to quit today. You you, you went to a conference. Yep. Action can be starting the conversation. It can be writing in your journal. I'm open to the new possibilities. Absolutely. Um, Yes. Yeah. And that's actually to to rewind. That was actually how it really started because Um, I went to see the movie Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts. And there's that scene at the beginning where she's like on her bathroom floor bawling because she's miserable in her life. And that was the first time I'd ever seen anyone who was outwardly showing what I felt on the inside. Because I would go every day with a smile. Like no one knew how bad it was for me. Because, you know, I tried to be grateful. I tried to make it work. I didn't know what was next. And you're right, like journaling, starting to create goals, starting to, you know, do affirmations, set intentions, like anything 
of like visioning, dreaming of what's possible. And this might be unfamiliar to you if you're listening. I used to laugh at these things and now it's my life. I would never go a day without journaling and meditating and trusting the universe. But I laughed at that before. So if that sounds too big, yeah, what what's a teeny bit smaller for you? Because making that change and making yourself matter yeah. is when it does all start to show up. So yeah, it, it's not it's not like I decided I wasn't happy and boom, the perfect job appeared. You still have to Absolutely. follow the path. Absolutely. Right. And like experiment. And even after that, when I did start coaching, I was on the side, I was still working corporate. And then the volunteer group I mentioned, I got asked to be a VP. I got asked to be a president. So I put a lot of time and energy in that a big pit stop and the skills I learned, the, the connections I made, like I would not have been able to really leave my corporate role and go full-time in my business. Had I not had that experience. I love that. That's people might think you went from unhappy to happy and they don't see everything that it takes to get there. Absolutely. Like you just, you flip the switch, right? Like it's a light switch and you're like the lights on the lights off. No, <laughs> just making the decision that something, you know, something needs to change. I, in 2019, I worked with Jack Canfield for the year and I had no idea why. Right. Like I knew that I needed something and yeah. I couldn't tell you why. And again, that goes to trusting the process, trusting the universe. Yeah. Old me would have laughed and had to have, you know, every month, what's, yep. what's the plan, mm -hmm. but the connections I made and the, it had nothing to do with my profession, but it got me here. So you don't have to know or or even have a clue why you're doing something, just go to the conference, yeah. sign up for the workshop, pick up the phone and tell a friend, yep. thinking about doing something different. That's telling the universe. If you're new to this, I really truly just started saying, I wanna live in the middle of nowhere, but be five minutes away from everything. Like just saying that in conversations and that's where I ended up living. Yeah. So we just, you, if you try to do it all by yourself and figure it all out and wait until it's a pretty bow to show the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a cool experience to work with Jack. And I can definitely relate like that manifesting piece, that praying that like putting your intentions out there, like you have the, the perfect home environment and I've always wanted to uh, live on the lake. So there was this opportunity that there was like the how, right? The on the paper, on paper, it didn't work out. And magically this month I've lived here three years and it's every day I wake up to a beautiful sunset over the lake. And, and it just is, it like gives me goosebumps. Like anything you want is yours. And I don't think we're taught the power of our voice. Yeah. Just by writing it down or saying it, that yeah. is a step forward. It might not, I didn't know when I was saying, I was working on affirmations and manifesting when I was sitting in my chair at home concentrating, but I was constantly saying, I want to live in the middle of nowhere and be five yeah. minutes away. And it happened. So just don't keep it to yourself. Don't suffer in silence. Yeah. I always think too, like, why not me? Right. Like you see people around and you maybe get a little bit of like kind of jealousy. Well, our emotions are messengers, right? So it's like, if living on the lake is something that you want, you can have that. What else? Any 
Anything else you want listeners to know? Um, you know, we've covered so much today. I would just say to trust yourself, right? Because it's even harder when you've had had situations where it's broken trust and that if you aren't where you want to be right now, know that anything's possible. It just comes down to you really believing and taking those small steps, those small actions. I love that. How can people connect with you? You can find me on the socials. I'm on Instagram a lot and LinkedIn, or I have a website, lauragminder.com. It's L-A-U-R-A-G as in girl, M as in Mary, E-I-N as in Nancy, D as in dog, E-R.com. And we'll put that in the show notes in case you're driving or you don't have a pen and paper. And can people reach out if they just connected with your story today? Absolutely. I would love that. Please do. Thank you so much. This is, again, a topic that is kept secret, not talked about. So the fact that you're willing to share it with so many means so much to me in this audience. So thank you for your story and your time and everyone listening. Until next time, always be ruthless. Thanks so much for listening today. Your support means everything to me, truly. If this podcast resonates with you, please do me a favor and join in the Ruthless Movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster. Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hab community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.